God. It, how, can a, how can victory be so sweet and not everyone gets a hold of that? And I said, God, what's going on? And I waited a few more, you know, bars of the song, and I started to see them getting up one at a time. They were, oh, they're getting it now. Oh, they're getting it now. Praise God. And truly, you told Satan, get thee behind me. I didn't come here to sleep. I didn't come here to sit here and just get entertained. I came because I got victory in Jesus. Hallelujah. Praise God. It's all right to dance in church. Can I give you that liberty? It is okay to dance in church. This is the house of the Lord. Praise God. David said, I was glad when they said unto me, let us go into the house of the Lord. I believe part of that reason he was so glad is because he could dance there. A songwriter said, I danced, I danced. I danced like David danced. We used to sing that song way back in the day. And that's the type of song you start singing, you can't stop. Hallelujah. Praise God, everyone. Hallelujah. Praise God. Praise God. Praise the Lord. You may be seated in the name of Jesus. Praise God. It is so good to be in the house of the Lord this afternoon now. Praise God. But it is truly good to know that victory is truly ours, church. Praise God. We can tell Satan to get thee behind us. God has given us the victory. Praise God. I'm so grateful for this church. I'm grateful for our pastor, Pastor Hamilton. Praise God. Give God thanks for our, our praise and worship team. Why don't we give God thanks for the praise and worship team? Praise God, our musicians. Praise God. And all you wonderful people, our guests, our visitors. It is just good to be in the house of the Lord together. Amen. Amen. Praise God. I wasn't sure if victory was going to be mine on those roads, but I had to tell Satan, get thee behind me. I was slipping. I was sliding. I, I said, there are a couple of close calls, I tell you. <laughs> oh, God. But the Lord brought us safely here. Praise God. I won't, I won't lie to you. When I saw the snow coming down, I said, you know, there's no place I'd rather be than in my bed. <laughs> I'm not trying to be cute here, church. I'm trying to be real. When I saw the snow coming down, I said, this is a snow day. You know, in school, they, they, the bus don't run. I said, hey, we can have church online. But I said, no, devil, no. We've been there already. You know, some of us have to be online. But for those who can be here, let's be here. Amen. And I do want to greet those that are online. I do greet you in the name of Jesus. Praise God. And we know you are worshiping where you are. Praise God. Praise the Lord. Praise God. Praise God. Praise the name of the Lord. I give God thanks. Our, our pastor, and, and I believe the Lord, the Lord is a great God. And I, and I said this before. We, we need to be very grateful that we have a leader who likes to, not likes, loves to pray. Thank God for a praying leader. It was Samuel that said, I would sin if I didn't pray over you, Israel. A leader like that understands the importance of prayer. I heard someone say it like this. Prayer doesn't change things. It changes everything. 
Prayer doesn't just change things. It changes everything. So I know some of these goals here seem a little lofty, and many of you may wonder, what, is, what, what type of church is this? What, 40,000 hours of prayer? What is this place? Can I tell you this is a house of prayer? Hallelujah. This is a culture of There's a culture of prayer in here. Praise God. There is a spirit of prayer, and I'm so grateful. Praise the name of the Lord. I brag, on, I brag to my children about my late grandmother, Mother Una Lyons. I tell my children, you see how grandma loves to pray? I said, you haven't seen nothing until you see my grandmother, Una Lyons. My late grandma, Una Lyons, was a prayer warrior. I mean, she was up religiously 4 a.m. I know that because I was in the basement where she was sleeping. And 4 a.m., she has her Bible open on her lap. And she's praying on her bed, oh, Jesus. Remember Cecil, God. Remember Albert. He, she's going and going. And it, you, it's just a little break. I said, finally, a little break. But that was just, that was just meditation. There was another hour to go. My God. And I, yeah, I used to put my head in my pillow. I'm like, Grandma, please. It just, it's still early, you know. But I saw something that my grandma was doing that became something I understood then about my own mom. That prayer changes things. And influences as well. Don't ever underestimate your prayer life. Do you know how many people are impacted because of your faithful praying? Even when things don't make sense and you're not even tuned in. You hearing them pray is planting seeds for you. It's getting you ready to have that type of life. That type of prayer life. Praise the name of the Lord. And I'm so grateful for our pastor and for the vision, especially when it comes to prayer. Why don't we give God thanks for that? <laughs> Praise the name of the Lord. <laughs> Praise God. Praise God. I have to also say it's, it's good to be up here again. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> it got quiet. Maybe not good for you. <laughs> but it's good for me. Praise the name of the Lord. I'm so grateful just to be here. I, I'm grateful. I, I kind of feel like Pastor Serge, when it's been a while since you've been up here, you're, you're just buzzing. Praise God. You're just buzzing. You're buzzing. You're like, oh, God, you better make sure you put that food on slow cook because you're not leaving early today. Praise God. But I know God is in control. Amen. And it is just good to know that we can come into a place and we can worship and we can hear a word from the Lord and I, I see changes happening in our church. I'll say in, in Jubilee Church, I see changes. Hallelujah. That is taking place. And I, I have to step back and say, God, you are an amazing God. It really isn't about the individual ministry. It's the ministry of the community. It's the, it's the ministry of the body. When you keep seeing the same people doing the same thing, something is out of order. It may seem strange to say that, but if you see the same people doing the same thing week 
after week, something ain't right. Because the ministry is about the body. Hallelujah. That's what we've been called to do. Praise God. And I believe God has given us a word to help us grab hold of what he is doing. Because God is shaking some things. He is shaking some principles. And, I, and principles, i got to be careful. Because principles don't change. Right? But he is changing our methodology and our way of thinking about what ministry really is. He is broadening our depth of understanding. He's giving us a deeper revelation of what the church truly is. Hallelujah. Praise the name of the Lord. I'm going to pray before we go any further. Father, in the name of Jesus, I give you praise. I give you glory. I give you honor. Father, thank you, God, for the privilege of life. Oh, God, for waking us all up this morning and allowing us to be here safely in this place to worship you, to adore you, God, to hear from you. Oh, God, where would we be if it wasn't for you? Father, would you speak to us today? We need to hear from you, God. We need your direction. We need your direction, oh, God. And I pray you would speak to us even now, and we would receive your word with grace and with faith. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. <clears throat> amen. Praise God. As I was saying, I've been just blown away by what I've been seeing in Jubilee. There's, this has been a year, a year, a season of change. We've really been in a season of change in this church. And one thing about change, it's not always comfortable. People don't always adjust good to change. That's why you'll see in a lot of organizations, there are months, if not years, of change management preparation before major things take place that change the culture of an organization. They understand how critical it is to get it right. Changing a little button, changing a little policy, you better have change management there because whenever change gets a hold of people, people react different. I'm reacting different to change. Can I speak to you? Pastor Campbell, I'm reacting different to change. My body is changing. Look at my head. Look, look at it. That's okay. I know you saw it too. You're just trying to be cool. Hey, what's up, Brother Nathaniel? Ball, his head is balling. Something is taking place. I say, God, what did I do? I said, was I been faithful? What, what, what happened? I thought we had an agreement. Not until I'm 89. I'm not trying to be cute, and I'm not trying to play games here. I'm trying to be honest with you. Change isn't easy. And you know what? When it happens, you have to go with it. You could try to slow it down to change. You could put all sorts of chemicals in there. Thanks, my love. But that will only speed it up. Because I'm telling you, it was a lot better before. I, 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 we'll talk about that after. But I was on a roll. I was doing well. Oh, just use this. Oh, are you sure? Yeah, yeah. What's going on? But the point is, <laughs> change is inevitable. And you know what? There is, there is no growth without change. 
There is no growth without change. And that's the focus of this message today, that in our church culture, we have got to learn how to grow up. We have to learn how to grow up in this church culture. I was impressed as I'm, I'm just, I am telling you, I was blown away. Our, our young people put on a worship night. How many of you were at that worship night? Wow. My Lord. Now, when they said that they want to do worship night, I, I, the only thing that got me in trees was the worship. <laughs> I'm, I'm going to come. I'm coming. I'm coming around with it. But I know these young people that they love God. So I didn't have to be afraid of what was going to come after. But can I tell you something? They blew my mind. They blew it because I said, these young people get it. I stood there in my seat and I saw our youth leaders. One of them on a guitar, one of them on a drum. I said, listen, we're worshiping tonight. Look around you. Yeah, you've seen people you've never seen before. And guess what? They probably never seen you either. But we came for one thing. Church, when you get the focus right, it doesn't matter who looks like you, who does not. When you understand the purpose of what God is able to do. And so I was so incredibly blessed when I experienced this whole house packed out. It was packed out. I'm here worshiping God with the muse. I'm, I'm hearing the, the singing, and someone taps my shoulder. What, what, what's your problem? Yes. We need help in the parking lot. I said, what is going on? <laughs> it's crazy. The whole place was full of cars. I said, is there ever a car going to come out here without a ding? I wonder if someone's car is going to get hit. I know it. I know someone's going to come complaining about a car being hit. Unfortunately, it was mine. <laughs> Thanks, Mom. But we'll talk about that later. Insurance will call. Hello. But I'm here to say, when God gets a hold of us and starts doing some interesting things, it is going to look a little odd. And I began to, I felt God giving me this word on church culture and the church learning to grow up and understanding what the church is really meant to be. And I've been doing some studies, I've been doing some reading, and one of the things I came across in my study is about churches and the church leaders. And I'll say this because it is true that most church leaders want the church to grow. Is that not true? And most leaders want people to experience growth. That's true. But many churches and leaders are puzzled by why growth is not occurring. They wonder, well, we got the right programs. We got the right instruments. We got the right people at their post, where are, where's the crowd? <laughs> Why aren't we seeing more of the packed out parking lots? But we begin to realize with just looking at the way of nature that healthy things grow. Healthy things grow. 
if something is not growing, it's either sick or dead. If I'm not growing, something is wrong with me internally or I'm just not alive. And so we have to get that understanding. But more importantly, we have to understand, well, what does it mean for a church to grow? And this is where the culture of a church is so critical. Because if we don't understand what Jesus meant by the church being his church, if we don't understand what he meant when he said, I will build my church, we will get it wrong. Because in every instant when we hear Jesus speaking, even our precious Lord, he is taking ownership of growth. He is the one that owns the growth. He owns the numbers. But he tells us there is a type of growth I want you to focus on, though. There is a type of growth. It says in Psalms 127 verse 1, unless the Lord builds the house, they labor in vain that build it. Matthew 16 verse 18 says, and I also say to you that you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Over in the book of Acts, chapter 2, verse 47, and the Lord added to the church daily those who were being saved. If we've examined these, we see God taking ownership of it all. So where do we get misaligned? When we try to grow the church. When we have all the plans to grow people's churches. I got the right plan for you. I, I'm telling you, I'm going to double you. Just 5% growth. That 20% growth is coming. But that isn't what God said you need to do. He is saying, you're in the wrong area, brother. Your mind is not right. You're not thinking the way I think. You see, Jesus' method of growth meant helping people. His mindset for growth meant, I stop the hoopla, I sit down with my brother, and I befriend them. I work with them one-on-one. -on -one. Because my focus is not to see a crowd grow, but to see individuals grow. Because if you get that part right, it's an organic growth. Because people will grow people, and they will grow other people. They will work. They will see a camaraderie. Jesus invested the majority of his time in developing others. Namely, his disciples. We see this, the Beatitudes. It wasn't the crowd that Jesus spoke to. It was his disciples. Remember, they came up to the mount and they sat with him and he began to teach them. He was developing them. God knew, Jesus knew there was a crowd always following him. But you remember what the word of God said? Jesus was never impressed with the crowd. Because he already knew what men 
what were inside of men. He already knew the spectators from the participators. He already knew who truly was going to follow him. And so he wasn't surprised when the number of his followers dropped. Distinctively dropped. But Jesus, again, recognizing that his purpose in this earth, yes, was to die for our sins, but also to make disciples who would then make disciples. We hear this in Matthew 28, verse 19 to 20, where Jesus makes this declaration. Therefore, go and make disciples of nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost, and teaching them, hear it, teaching them to obey everything I commanded you, and surely I am with you to the very end. We are called in this scripture to equip people. We are called to help people grow. We are not called to church growth. That's an important understanding. And believe me, church, it took me a long time to get that. And I'm still learning it. Although I want to see great equipment, I want to see great systems, I want to see things working in the ushering, and the, I want teachers to come, and I want all these things. Because in my mind, I'm saying, well, this is a part of the growth. How do you not have these things in place? But God is saying, turn your attention on the individual. Stop looking at who is here and who is, work what you got. Sow into them. They're coming, you sow into them. Those are the leaders that are going to sow into other leaders. You keep pouring into them. I remember, I've been in this ministry with Pastor Hamilton. And I've seen the highs, I've seen the lows. And I remember I got a big blow one time. You know, building up, building up, building up, and boom, gone, gone. Everything I worked, gone. Can't see nobody. Musicians were gone. They, they were just gone. They just went a different way. I said, God, what now? And I'm telling you, all I heard in my ear is what you see in your hand, use it. And my head turned to these little kids. I said, come from this don't ever underestimate who God puts in your presence doesn't matter how tall or how small I'm telling you God is able to do things that will blow your mind invest in people love people don't push them away even your own kids at times it can be aggravating but embrace them even in the troublous moments because that is the most growth you're going to see. You're going to see growth coming from that. Hallelujah. We are called to people growth. Paul also recognized this church. Paul had a similar sentiment according to his understanding of the church. 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 5 to 6, Paul makes it clear because there were some testy people that Paul had to deal with. They had the, their mindset wrong. But Paul made this statement. Who then is Paul? 
And who is Apollos but ministers through whom you believed? As the Lord gave to each one, I planted, Apollos watered, but God gave the increase. You see, Paul recognized the conclusion of the matter concerning his purpose and his ministry. And one of those things is that Paul was not responsible for church growth. Some would argue, but didn't he say he was a planter? Yes, he helped to plant churches. But that doesn't mean he forgo his purpose, true purpose, which was not necessary to expand churches, but to grow people who would then expand the church. It's an organic growth. Paul knew he had to sow into people like Timothy. He had to sow into him and others who Paul mentored and encouraged. He was always sowing, writing to build up the brotherhood, to build up the fellowship, to build up the community. Paul was always preaching about that, that we are brothers one of another. We are called to this ministry together. Hallelujah. I don't go about this ministry comparing myself to you. Oh, well, Apollo speaks better because he does a lot of ha 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 ha. And, you know, sometimes Apollos does a little singing, but Paul's just dry. He's just pure word, pure word. But Paul said, I, I, I didn't come for that. I understand we have our differences. And you know what, church? Diversity is a beautiful thing. God has gifted the church with varying gifts that makes the church able to fulfill its ministry. If we were all the same abilities, what church would we be? Hallelujah. That's why I thank God for the example of what the church is in comparison to a body. Every member has its unique giftings. And there is no member greater than the other, but we work in concert. We work together. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. We work together in the kingdom of God, building each other up preferring each other ahead of ourselves. Why? Because we want to see others grow. And when I'm seeing other people grow, I'm growing. You know that? Hallelujah. If I'm teaching that I'm growing and they're growing. Hallelujah. I have an understanding through God's word that if I am a part of the process of seeing my brother go from A to, to B and to C to go up, then you know what? I'm journeying there too. Hallelujah. Because that's what church is about. It's about people, church. Paul was focused on the growth of people. His writings were filled with this. Examples are found in 1 Thessalonians 3, verse 12, right up to uh, 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verse 12 as well. He speaks about growing people. He speaks about praying and encouraging believers that they should love and their love should overflow for everyone. He taught about instructions on moral living. Can I tell you the greatest impact you can have on someone is just teaching them. And not just only teaching them, but modeling it as well. There's one thing that teach someone about 
why you should live a moral life. And you're living an immoral life. You, you, you destroy your own credibility when you can't even live up to the things you're telling other people to do. You're in secret doing things and teaching others. It's not going to work. You can fool them, but you will not fool God. And guess what? You won't grow, and neither will those who are looking to you. Hallelujah. This is why leadership is so important in the church. Leadership is so incredibly important in the church. Why? Because the Bible says that God has called leaders to equip leaders. It is the fivefold ministry in Ephesians 4 we begin to understand that God gives these gifts to the church so the people would be edified. So what Jesus was saying in Matthew 28 verse 18 to 19 was about equipping, teaching them to obey my commands and the things that I have taught you, you share to them. So they too become a disciple. I have to be in the business of equipping. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I have to be in the business of preparing people for their ministry. I'm telling you, in this church, this praying church, this culture of praying church, pastor has said this before. Ain't nobody coming in this church and going to be looked over. Every person has a potential. Every person has a gift and an ability. You may try to dodge us. That's okay. But we will find you. And you know what? That is the responsibility of leadership. We're supposed to be looking for this. We're supposed to be preaching this. We're supposed to be coming beside you and provoking good works out of you. Hey, brother. I know I wish I'd have you up here. I really need some help on this thing. Why don't you come and be a part of this meeting? Come and join our youth group. We're, we're going to a youth rally. It'd be great to have you a part of it. We are doing things to get people understanding there is something great about their life. That God has a great plan. I don't know for those who were there understood what was being said at that worship night at the end. And the, the leaders were saying that God has a great purpose for you. And I'm telling you, when those words were spoken, eyes were popping up. Heads were coming attentive. For me, they were listening. Don't ever underestimate the power of worship and a word to go with it. Sometimes we think if it's a packed event, then it's success. Don't be fooled by the numbers. Even if it was one person, it was worth it. Even if there was only a baby, it would still be worth it. Because you know what? Every soul matters to God. And he's not impressed by the numbers, but he is impressed by the heart. That heart that can be converted. Someone left that worship night changed. I'm telling you, when they saw that baptism, I know someone that said, you know what, that could be me. Some of them, they didn't tell you, but they said, that could be me. That could be me. Some of them came by the water, and I remember one girl just came up and looked in the water. I said, uh-huh, the water's troubled. 
they, they say, well, what is this? That opens a door to say, you know what, you can learn about this too. You're interested? You know, we get, to, we get this opportunity God gives us to be a part of his kingdom. And as I teach even today, I said, you know what, church? I said to the, to the children's ministry, guys, you know what? Sometimes God does a strange work. Sometimes God does the weirdest things to prove a point. And it doesn't make sense to us. You know, pastor, we were singing that song. Even when I don't see he's working. Hmm? I wonder, even as our children ministry, for those who were there, wondered, those soldiers walking around in circles, around a wall that God told them they were going to conquer. What is this? They didn't, they didn't, they were not told how the wall was going to come down. They were not even told how they were going to get over the wall. All they were told was to listen to the instructions. Get your army and walk around six days once. And on the seventh day, you go seven times and shout. The Bible said the wall came down. And I'm here to tell you, while they were walking, God was working. They didn't see it, but he was working. And I'm telling you, it's the same way in the house of God. We may not see people respond visually, but God is working on their hearts. When they see someone be buried in the name of Jesus, God is working on their heart. When they're invited to a youth event and they hear the preached word, God is working on their heart. When they have a friend come to them and encourage them, then befriend them. God is working. Hallelujah. God is working. We need to be of a mindset that we are not going to allow the gift God gave to us of salvation to go to waste where we don't share it with others. As I'm coming to this close, I spoke about the culture of the church. The culture of the church. I may be biased about Jubilee Church, but I love Jubilee Church. Okay? I know there's some other. I love Jubilee Church. Okay? <laughs> yeah, we, uh, I love Jubilee Church. One of the reasons why I love Jubilee Church is because I can be myself. I can come here in a, well, I, I can't come in a jeans, but if I came in a jeans, <laughs> no one would bug me. If I showed up in a regular old shirt, they love me same. If I was sitting in the back, you know what? Someone would come and hit me on my leg or say, hey, I know that at least somebody would say hello to me. There's a culture of love here. And you know what? I've heard people say with, out of their own mouth, I feel like I'm a part of the family. I don't even know any of you guys. I just can't. I feel like I'm a, like you guys know me from a long time. And like that, that's, you know what that is? That's a culture. That is a culture. And can I tell you something? People will grow in a healthy culture. 
I didn't say Jubilee Church is perfect. <laughs> but I did say people will grow. People in a healthy culture. Your culture does matter. It matters how you treat people. And it matters how you treat yourself. It matters how, what you think of yourself. You know, I don't know about you. I'm sure it's the same for you. But people don't want to be a part of a toxic culture. Can I say that again? When I come to church, I want to know I'm in a safe place. People will grow in a safe place. I'm not saying safe in the sense that, you know, somebody won't come and do some madness. And I'm not trying to scare anybody about that. But I'm trying to tell you something. When I'm in a safe place, I can voice my opinion and not get a backhand. When I'm in a safe place, I give liberty for diversity. If people don't look like me, that's okay. If they don't like the chicken and rice, that's all right. <laughs> we'll do seasoned potatoes. But the point is that people will not grow in a culture that is toxic. When a church culture allows for gossip, for slander, for backbiting, for rudeness, for arguing, and fighting, people will not grow. Growth will happen in healthy cultures. And so it's incredibly important that we safeguard that. And leaders play a huge part of that. That they're not going to just sit by where, while there's some foolishness going on. And I remember even as a young boy coming up. <laughs> a long time ago. And I still remember to this day, I shared this testimony with somebody. And Jubilee was a young church, young church, baby, baby church, just a baby church. And I remember we were still a church of prayer. We know we love God. But I remember was some, some foolishness was going on in, in one of the halls. Some type of, uh, let's just say, unwinding moments was taking place and I remember visiting pastors just stop it and the whole place went ice and the person who was carrying on with their nonsense was arrested by the spirit of authority there because someone recognized I know this is not my church but we are still a part of one church and that is not the culture we're going to do in this church when someone recognizes that, hey, although I'm not a part of maybe a member here and I understand the church of God, it doesn't matter what church I go to. We ought to be saying the same thing. Our behavior should be consistent. I should have a right mindset and, re and, and behavior when I come into the house of God. But when we become tight-lipped because we don't want to offend people, you know, she's a visitor, I don't want to trouble her, you know. She's new, she's new. You're allowing seeds to grow. And you know what? Eventually that thing is going to blossom into something else and create schism in the body. 
We have to be able to be bold enough to recognize I'm not about embarrassing you. I'm not about openly embarrassing you, but I'm about righteousness. And I'm about a good culture so, so that I can grow and you can grow. So I got to be at a place where I can tell you, bro, that's not how we speak to people. Sister, we don't behave like that. I mean, I've seen some stuff and I'm sure you have too. My wife and I were watching it. I don't need to watch it. It just happened. Hallelujah. Nothing happens. But you know what I mean. I'm watching some stuff and something pops up. Oh, funny church videos. Okay, I'm going to watch these funny church videos. And there were some videos of churches and the things that were going on. And I mean, my wife's laughing and, I, and I'm laughing. But while I'm laughing, I'm wondering if the next video is going to be of us. I mean, people would be crazy. <laughs> you know, I said, as much as I am laughing, I'm seeing a choir going on. And one lady, because she didn't get the lead, tried to grab the mic out of the other lady's hand. And the lady was boxing the lead. And they are singing, going back and forth. And while the fight is going on, they're going this way, the person's going that way. I said, Simone, 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 does this really happen? I said, oh, God, I pray this never happens to church, Jubilee Church. As much as I was laughing, I was worried that a culture like that could still happen. And so I realized, you know what? We have to be mindful. We have to be mindful of what we allow and be bold enough to arrest those things that we know are not of God. Why don't we stand? Praise God. This wasn't a shouting match today, but I believe God is getting us geared up for something incredible. And he is turning the focus back on the main thing. And the main thing is growing people. I want to see people growing. I want to see you coming to the fruition of the ministry God called you to. I want to see you on an opportunity to grow and learn. How to teach a Bible study. I want you to be confident in witnessing to somebody. And not only having a big event. But having something that will connect people after the event's done. Sometimes we just forget it. You know, we had a book service. was so great. And Larry's still going home depressed. He may have gotten a touch, but no follow-up. How do we connect? And this is, I believe, what God is saying You've got to make disciples out of them. But that takes time. And so you've got to commit that to be a part of what you do to help others grow. Can I say this? The church leaders are not responsible for you growing. And some of you don't understand what I'm saying. As nice it is and easy it is to blame, oh, they're not teaching the right things on marriage, you know. They're not really teaching about singles. You know, they don't teach enough. Then they just dry up there. They're just very dry. Can I tell you, we have a responsibility to grow. The leadership has the responsibility to prepare you. That means they teach you. They come alongside you and encourage you. 
but you have a responsibility to work out your salvation with fear and trembling. We are going to come alongside of you and encourage you, but you have to have a desire to grow. You can't force a, 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 a what they call a horse to drink water. You can't force him. He'll kick you in the head. He has to have a thirst, and sometimes they will make them thirsty. They will mess with that hay, put a little salt in there, give him a little thirst. And that's what we are. We are that salt that comes along and say, hey, man, you need, you need to be well done here. Come on, come on. Let me shake some season upon you. I'm going to help you. I can't solve all your problems. That's not what Jesus called me to do. But he called me to be with you even when those problems are not going good. I cry with you. I don't leave you by yourself. I come alongside you. Even if you just vent, that's okay. I'm there for you to vent. Yell at me. Just don't hit me. Hallelujah. Praise God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Jubilee Church, is this a safe culture? Is this a growing culture? Hallelujah. Because if this church is at a culture of growth, you shouldn't be here. As crazy as it is for me to say that. We need to make sure that we are growing. Ask yourself, as a person, have I grown? Since I've been in this church, have I been growing? Challenge yourself. Take stock and ask yourself, have people come to me and invested time? Have they called me? Have they sat down beside me during a banquet? Did they take the time to ask about how my day was? Am I in a culture where I can grow? I believe you are. Hallelujah. But we are gotten to grow. We are got to do more. Praise God. I'm closed. I'm done. I have nothing more. It's a blank page here. Praise God. But I believe the Lord has given us something for us to not only leave here but apply. That I have to position myself for growth and expect change. I have to expect the change. Because there is no change without the growth. Hallelujah. Our praise and worship team, do you have a song? Hallelujah.